0: And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach. Welcome to another fantastic interview. This today, man, I'm so excited to interview Arlene Kogan and um Arlene and I have never met. She's a uh, an actual client of my daughter's company said, "Dad, this this interview is right up your alley. She's got you guys are the same mindset and so we're going to we're going to just jump right in here. I'm going to read her bio for you so you can get a little bit of the groundwork done. So Arlene Kogan is an experienced philanthropic leadership consultant who works closely with professional advisors, nonprofits and their clients to integrate Philanthropy into personal, financial, and legacy plans. Arlene's passion is fostering deep relationships, engaging the next generation, and making a lasting difference through leadership and philanthropy. Philanthropy. God, that's a hard word to say. Philanthropy. It. <laughs> philanthropy, thank you. A certified financial planner, Arlene began her career on Wall Street, desiring change and the opportunity to give back. Arlene later acquired nonprofit expertise. With the ninth largest community foundation in the country, aspiring to make giving accessible and understandable to all, Arlene recently authored "Give to Live, Make a charitable Gift you never imagine can 't wait to talk about that. The book is an essay is an essay. The book is easy to read and is essential is an essential and valuable resource for givers and the advisors who assist them. So I have completely almost botched that, but I think people are used to me doing that. How are you today, Arlene?
2: I am fabulous, Jim. Thanks for having me on your show.
1: So, sometimes I talk to marketing coaches, Facebook ad experts, but you're a philanthropic leadership consultant. That is a mouthful in and of itself, <laughs> so we're gonna, I'm going to try not to say those words too often. But um, you know, I, I want to really dive into the subject that is near and dear to my heart and, um, and my wife Stephanie and I, and, uh, but I, I want to do a little bit of background first. Are you, are you a first-generation entrepreneur, Arlene, or did you have parents or grandparents kind of show you that model?
2: Oh, well, my father was in business with his brother for years. They had a food manufacturing business. So, inherently, entrepreneurship is in my blood, but I resisted it completely. Mm.
1: (laughs) You went the supposed safe route of college and then Wall Street and normal corporate job, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, my father and his brother, when they sold the business, they stopped speaking to each other. Mm. For me, going out on your own meant you'll stop speaking to family. But what it did drive me to do was to get involved in the financial planning world, and I spent 20 years in the trust and investment world figuring out how to put the fund back in dysfunction because i thought if people understood the money aspect there wouldn't be any emotional distraught but i was wrong <laughs>
1: there you go especially in the small business world right i mean do you are do you work with small business owners entrepreneurs or larger corporations generally
2: you know i I really work with all size individuals and corporations to include philanthropy into their businesses because there's so many uh, added value to you personally, to your business, to your employees, to the community. So I really meet people where they're at and help them take what they want to do to the next level.
1: Is there something that happened in your life or your business or when when did you i mean was there a light bulb moment where you started looking at um you know how valuable it is to be uh to to give and to donate and to serve and and things like that
2: oh that's a great question you know when i i actually spent a fair amount of time on the east coast i worked for Citibank of new york u.s trust first union and when we moved had two daughters and moved to the west coast I really was tired of that big bank glass ceiling, sexual harassment, anti-Semitism. And I swore I'd never get into the larger institutions again because I wanted to lead by example for my daughters. We had two daughters. I didn't want I wanted them to know that they could find a job that they loved and get paid well and not have to deal with any of that extraneous stuff. So I was very intentional when I moved to the West Coast and I saw a career coach to, to help me along my path getting out of big corporate America. <laughs> hmm.
1: And so I want, I'm i just curious, what was it about working with that person that led you to this side of the financial world? Because I mean, it really is part of the financial, whether it's financial planning or just uh, it's a mindset issue, I believe, with a lot of people. What, what led you to this part of it?
2: Um, Well, basically, I spent a fair amount of time assessing the jobs I had and doing a lot of work on myself and learning what mattered to me. And at the end of this career coach experience, everything pointed to philanthropy and benevolence. And I looked Mm -hmm. at my career coach, Jim. And I said, you have got to be kidding me. How I want my
1: make- money back, right?
2: <laughs> well, how do I make money working for a charity? I mean, I was on Wall Street helping people get make money. And to me, the whole thought of going into nonprofit world was you can't make money at it. <laughs> so yeah. I, spent, I spent five years with two local uh, banks here and then was able to find a position with the largest nonprofit in the state of Oregon and the ninth largest community foundation, which, you know, just based on size, they had a better uh, salary base <laughs> than most nonprofits.
1: Yep. So, um, Arlene, you know, f- philanthropy and, um, you know, incorporating a giving, serving model into a business. It's really not the first thing or the second or even the 10th thing a lot of business owners think about. I mean, when you start a business, you're certainly in cash flow mode or survival mode. You're trying to get past the week to week and month to month. And then you start getting somewhere. You start growing and investing. When does it occur to people that, wow, we're doing really well, and I've been either blessed, fortunate, lucky, whatever terminology you want to use, we really got to start giving back. Is that something that people need help
2: with, do you think? Uh, I think people need help with that, but let's be honest, when you're an emerging business and your cash flow is tight, you can't necessarily afford to be giving financially But there are other ways to give, and that could be of your time, of your employees' time. So you want to think of creative ways. As you know, Jim, in business, so much uh, business is done, not over the desk, but in those other places where you meet in the community, where you build those deeper relationships, and you know, like, and trust people. So you want to get out there and just make sure that your name, your brand, your company is showing up where you want to be. You're helping the local kids at the library or a sports team or whatever it is your passion is. Just find and place yourself where you, it naturally fits. And then you'll naturally build your business through engaging in a cause you care about.
1: I think what, in my own humble opinion, I think what a lot, what holds a lot of people back is that, there's some, um, if you follow, you know, some of the big people in whatever niche you're in, it's like some people will talk about, um, you know, building schools or in Africa or feeding, you know, a million people and they think I'll, I'll do that when I get there. But it really starts at a smaller level and just building and growing even as your business or your personal income grows. Do, do you agree with that?
2: Absolutely. I think it's, you figure it in and it becomes part of you and your brand and you just, you know, commit. It's an intention, just like growing your business. The intention of incorporating philanthropy or giving in some matter should be part of your your regular business plan that you're reviewing on yeah. an ongoing basis.
1: So, I know you you just wrote a book, which is one reason I'm excited to talk to you. Um, the book is called "Give to Live: Make a Charitable Gift You Never Imagined." Talk about first the title, Give to Live. What do you mean by that?
2: Uh, exactly what it sounds. There's a lot of hard science out there about giving. And basically what it says is that giving money to others makes you happier. There's a great study done by Michael Norton, who's an associate business professor. And people who give money to others are, tend to be happier and the Gallup polls around the world have proven that that's, that's a fact. There's another neat guy, George uh, Mole, who did MRI testing of regarding giving. You wanna hear something really funny, Jim?
1: Yes, <laughs> lay it on me.
2: <laughs> giving stimulates the prefrontal cortex of your brain, which is also the part of your brain that activates around food and sex. So giving money away is like good food and good
1: sex. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, okay. I'm going to go with you on that. Cause you're my guest. No, I, I totally get that. You know what I told, I do believe in this because we had a little chat in the green room before we went live here, but br- giving and, and helping others and serving, it does bring incredible joy. And I think what, in my, and this, and this is all based on my own personal experience because I really didn't start this mindset. I was about 45 years old, and where previous to that, I thought putting $5 in the offering plate was a big deal. But right. when we started learning what it means to really give and to serve and, and, and tithe, and it's not just money, it's your time and things like that. I, I can specifically remember times when for example, I'd be donating a, donating a Saturday, um, to help rehab homes. And I'd be driving to this place where I know I'm going to be spending the day and thinking about all the work I had to do in my own house and how busy I was with my business. And, and I, and I remember driving home, Arlene, feeling like my car was floating, like I was on cloud nine because I did something for somebody else and, and took the eyes off myself. And I think, you know, whether it is your time or whether it is money, um, that is a huge benefit and and it totally changes your mindset to be one of, um, not poverty and lack, but really abundance.
2: Yeah. My cousin has a great saying, if you're ever feeling down, go help someone who has, who's not as fortunate as you are, and that will uplift you. And it's, that's a lovely experience that you shared. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Um, I call that hashtag perspective. If one of my clients is like really, really down, Jim, I need a quick cast of size. So first thing I want you to do is go serve in a soup kitchen this weekend or go do anything Yeah, and, and realize no matter where you are, you are so much better off than other people. And that's going to be the first thing that's going to help you grow. But anyway, give to live, make a charitable gift you never imagined. Tell us a little bit about the book and, and why you wrote it.
2: Yeah, Gift to Live, Make a Charitable Gift You Never Imagine, is really a culmination of my 20 years in the trust and investment world and nine years in nonprofit development. What I experienced when I was in the trust world so many people are frozen to incorporate philanthropy or giving into their. Plans because they have a family situation that appears insurmountable. They have a child who failed to launch, uh, a disabled child, a sick loved one they have to care for, so they just freeze. And at the Community Foundation, all of a sudden I learned all these great tools and ways that you could support that loved one and give money to charity, so it became a win-win situation. I found that many uh, advisors kind of lacked incorporating philanthropy into their conversations frequently so this book was really derived to bridge the gap between people who want to find purpose and give and the advisor who's not always on top of the conversation so the advisor can hand the book to their client and say hey Are you interested? Here's some great ideas and thoughts. And for an individual or a business owner, they can look and say, wow, I have a situation similar to this. Maybe I can include philanthropy as well.
1: You know, it's interesting to me, and so just this is only slightly off topic, but I wonder why financial advisors, CPAs, things like that don't normally because I agree with you, they don't normally incorporate that into your average conversation around your balance sheet, profit and loss, whatever your tax situation. Do you think they either don't think it's the normal part of business or it's kind of it's kind of going into the personal zone or any any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, well, there are a couple of reasons why it happens. One, in any profession, whether it be your accounting, your attorney, your financial advisor, uh, Philanthropy may be a chapter in a book in one of your courses of the overall certification that you're getting. So there's not a big focus on it. Number two is a lot of wealth managers think if I help my client, if my clients give money away, I'm losing assets under management. But in reality, uh, there's a, study that US Trust came out with a number of years ago. The reality is that advisors who incorporate philanthropy into their practices have a higher retention of heirs of the next generation when their clients pass away. So they really need to find out this information because they're not aware of it and they're not aware of how to incorporate the philanthropic conversation, giving into the the practice where it will benefit them.
1: What are um, what are some of the other benefits, Arlene, of incorporating the phil- philanthropic mindset and actual practice into into a into somebody's business? And and I'm still I don't know if I'm struggling with, it, but is it, is it still is it the business that's making donations or is it the profits the business generates that allows the owner? to donate or I mean, there there's really two different things, right?
2: Yeah, there's corporate giving. You know, what yeah. are you doing for your business? Is your business uh, supporting local nonprofits? Are you encouraging your employees to do a day of service together? Do you do matching uh, gift money if they make a donation to a nonprofit? Do you have your own foundation? So that's all on the business side which is all great for your, for your branding, for who you are in your community, it elevates you. But there's also the personal side as well of giving and volunteering. So there are really two aspects to, to the giving. And it really boils down to you know, personal satisfaction, fulfillment, self-actualization, being bigger than yourself. That gives us our joy and helps us uh, make a difference in the world.
1: What was some, what was some of your other experiences, Arlene, about transitioning from a, you know, a, a, a career in the investment world on wall street to where you are now as a, as a phil- philanthropy and, and charity, charity consultant. Um,
2: you, you have to embrace the change. Each, each position has been very different, uh, but very welcoming and opening. And I really find that, uh, People want, it, want this information and it's like any business. You show up, you do what you have to do and, and you'll be successful. I've just been blessed to, uh, fortunate enough to push myself along the way to say, I, I wanna make uh, my life better. I wanna show other people how to do that. And you know, it's been some tough work along the way, but it's so rewarding in the end.
1: How do you integrate your, your expertise and experience in wealth management to philanthropy? Um, I mean, clearly you have the training in the, in the financial aspects of it. Did, was the rest of it an, sort of an awakening? Was it always your mindset or I'm curious about that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, it was never my mindset. It's just that uh, seeing a need over time and the when I was on, in the and investment world, I loved the fact that I could help families uh, come together with an understanding about their money and finances. And it. Would, I had done it enough where it was just time to move on and experience the next opportunity. And, and then working at the Community Foundation, I had the opportunity to work with extraordinary, generous people. But I, I also noticed that For a lot of individuals, if their advisor didn't kind of encourage them to come to the community foundation, you know, they they weren't sure where to start their philanthropy. So it's, it's like anything. Philanthropy is a muscle that you have to use and exercise over time because your philanthropy changes over time. So start, you got to get out there and start practicing now. And and I think that's one thing that I have done over time is really, you know, worked hard and exercised that muscle to develop it to become a philanthropic leadership consultant.
1: That is such a great way to put I really like that because um, I shared with you, I did a, an audio book called Serve First. Where I talk about our transition from... in the plate to something much larger. And, um, it, it, it just, it wasn't like a light switch. It was growing over time and, and putting, instead of dipping your toe, I'll dip my foot in the water and then maybe I'll get up to my knees, you know, and you just keep going and going. And each time along the way, it just was empowering, but was also rewarding. And I mean, rewarding both, uh, internally heart book and also checkbook. So I think the the universe or or God or whatever your beliefs are definitely, um, There's benefits to that. And I know as long as the personal benefits, you you mentioned food and sex, which I thought was great. Are there any other personal benefits of of the giving mindset?
2: Well, you know, once again, personal benefits could be providing an income stream to a loved one, taking care of uh, a cause near and dear to your heart. There are a lot of things that fall into the emotional. But in addition to the personal, you know, you have all the tax benefits of philanthropy right? If you give a lot, you can get a big tax deduction. And, and then there's ultimately the legacy piece of giving. How do, how do you want to be remembered? You know, How do you want to be remembered? I remember in high school, maybe you had an English teacher like this who said, write your obituary. And Decide what you want to be. So it's never too late to figure out how you want to show up at the end of your life. And if you start taking those actions now with a little bit of philanthropy, uh, you could probably create an amazing legacy for yourself and your family that you never imagined.
1: Wow. So I want to ask you a little bit more about the book, but I, I don't have a copy of it, so I haven't read it yet. So I'm going to ask you to um, help me out here. But I, I mean, I totally love the Give to Live. It's such a fantastic title. What else will, will readers who pick up your book, what else will they learn?
2: Oh, Give to Live is a great tool. It starts off talking about the science of giving, some of which I've shared with you today, and then it breaks down into understandable pieces giving during your life as well as at the end of your life, whether it be bequests or, and then it gets into some technical tools where you can have an income stream to yourself or a loved one and then give to charity. It breaks all that giving down into understandable pieces and it gives a great example on how to make a gift you never imagined, which I'll come back to with you. Then it goes into all these stories of wonderful individuals and donors who created gifts they never imagined and it's broken down into people who are single, dual income, no children, widow, divorced, business owners, grandparents. So you could read these stories and kind of see the, the mindset of a giver and how it emerged over time and then the last uh, chapter sends you right back to your advisor. How do you find a good advisor? What are the things that you want to talk about with your advisor? And that's pretty much the book right there.
1: Well, it's awesome. It sounds like a great read. I have two more questions in our time together. One, uh, and I don't know if this is outside of your realm of expertise, so feel free to, to- punt the ball, <laughs> but obviously giving, um, on the personal side, it's a charitable, it's a charitable deduction on your tax return as well. How does that work if you're like a corporation, like an S corp?
2: Well, sure. Corporation, you know, I'm not giving tax or legal advice here. Right.
1: But consult your I mean, professional.
2: <laughs> consult your professional. But yes, businesses can have charitable giving and write that off as well. And I would recommend that you speak to your local tax person or accountant to see how best you can figure philanthropy in to get that tax deduction.
1: Awesome. And my last question, um, Arlene, and thank you so much for your time today is I want to ask you about the subtitle cause I'm sure that is deeply rooted in, in who you are. How does someone make a charitable gift that they never imagined?
2: You know, if there's a real simple formula. Jim, do you have a charity that you give at least $100 to each year?
1: Yeah, we have three that we've been supporting for almost 10 years.
2: Name one for me. Um,
1: Bridge of Hope.
2: Bridge of Hope. That sounds like an amazing organization. What type of work do they do?
1: Um, it is for at-risk single moms who uh, sometimes come from abusive or just divorce, but they're at risk of being homeless. And and through a, a year of counseling and financial support and mentoring by um, married couples, it helps mentor the woman. It helps provide them with housing and, and slowly over the course of a year, kind of reduces that so they can then be self-sufficient in a year.
2: Wow. That sounds like an amazing organization. It's a wonderful
1: group. Yes.
2: to help ask at risk single moms and, you know, certainly ones who are verging on homelessness when we see the rising prices of real estate around the country. It's it's an issue all around our country, homelessness. So you give $100 to Bridge of Hope women every year. In your estate plan, if you take that $100 and multiply it by 20, so you have $2,000, right? You can make a gift through your estate plan of $2,000 to endow Bridge of Hope in perpetuity. And they either invest the money or you do it through a community foundation or someone who can pay them. Ideally, you will have a 5% payout in perpetuity after you die and Bridge of Hope will receive that $100 if you're forever. You have just endowed a gift and made a gift, charitable gift, you never imagined through your state plan. It's that easy. Now I'm going to layer on something better, you know? So if you write it in your will, you have to go see an attorney and pay money. If you have a, a retirement account or a CD, you could make it a beneficiary designation. The retirement account is your best, you know, Tax advantage asset to use and by writing a beneficiary designation for $2,000 to bridge of hope you have you don't even have to pay an attorney to create that gift and you're gonna feel fabulous doing it
1: Wow I, I that that is a phenomenal answer for the last question. Wow. Thank you so much, Arlene. Thank you so much. I knew I was going to enjoy this interview. I'm sure our, our, um, our listeners have gotten a lot out of it as well. So where can people get the book and how can they, um, stay in touch with you, learn more from you?
2: Oh, I'm happy to share that. My website, arlenecogan.com, A-R-L-E-N-E, C O G is in Edward and is in Nancy.com. You can sign up for copies of my book and sneak peeks and find out all the good stuff there is to find out about my book. I'm also on LinkedIn, Twitter, all the usual places.
1: And, and the book will no doubt be on Amazon.
2: Yes, it will be coming out on November 11th, an ebook. And then it, about a week later, the paperback version will be available.
1: Awesome. Arlene, thank you so much for being my special guest.
2: Jim, it's been my pleasure, and keep up the good work you do.
1: Thank you so much. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Arlene Kogan, and her book is called Give to Live, Make a Charitable Gift. You never imagined. I highly suggest getting a copy of that. Um, if you're not connected with me yet, other than through the podcast, you can get find me at getjimpalmer.com. Uh, my free Facebook group is Build Your Dream Business Now, and you can get there at dreambizgroup.com, dreambizgroup.com. Until next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer somewhere on the Atlantic, although as I'm doing this interview, we're in Norfolk, Virginia. But I look forward to spending this time with you again next week. You take good care.